All right, Matthew chapter 6. I've been talking about the secret place. My heart and my prayer during this time is that this will not just be information for you, but that you will, if, if you're one of those that has never attempted to find the secret place where the Lord lives, I pray that this time would be an encouragement to do that. If you've tried it before and you have, don't feel like you've been successful in it and quit, I pray that it encourages you to go back. Because listen, the only time the secret place is a failure is when you don't show up. Something always happens in there. The only time it doesn't is when we don't go in there and we don't show up. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, we've read this before, he says, uh, verse 5, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corner so that they may be seen by men. I say to you, that's their reward. The recognition of those men is their full reward. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. Secret place, I believe the King James says. Make the choice to go into your secret place. When you pray, when you converse with me, when you engage and interact with me, go to that secret place that you have. Why the secret place? Why the secret place? Why not the temple? The temple was still standing. There were prayers going on 24-7 in there. Why not whenever you pray, go to the temple or make a sacrifice, have the priest pray? Why not Mount Sinai? Why not Mount Zion? Why not Jerusalem? Why not some other place of significance? Why not some other place that held significance to the Jews? Why not go to that place? Why not go out in nature? You hear that a lot. I find God out in nature. Well, here's the reason why he tells us. And pray to your Father who is in secret. This, the secret place, is where God resides as our Father. He could have called him King of Kings. He could have called him Lord of Lords. He could have called him all of the names that we know that refer to who he is. But he took this concept that was completely new to the Jewish faith and said, your father is in secret. That's where your father is at. That's why you go there because that's where he is. The word father here indicates nourisher. If you look it up in the Greek, that's the definitions that it used. Nourisher, protector, and upholder. That's where the one lives who will nourish you. That's where the one lives who will protect you. That's the one who li- where one lives who will nourish you, feed your soul, is in the secret place. There's an intimacy that takes place there that's described just simply in using that word, Father. Not go where the mighty king is. Not go where the vengeful God is. Go where the Father is. Because the Father is there to be that to us. The secret place answers two important questions. One of the questions is, where is God for me? The second one answers the question, who is God for me? Where? Where is God for me in my daily times of stress? Where is God for me during the day in my seasons of anxiety? Where is God for me in my times of confusion and fearfulness? Where is God for me when I'm in the valley? Where is God for me? This answers that question. Who is God for me? Who is this God of purpose? Who is this God of protection? Who is this God of direction? Who is this God of comfort, of provision, and compassion? He is the Father. This answers where we go, and it answers to whom do we go. 
we go to him and he is in the secret place. Where is this God that I may know him? Now, we never, many of us have never verbalized that question. Where are you, God? But every time we sought in our life, every time we have sought peace, comfort, provision, protection, we may not know it, but it it is our soul searching for the Father. Because our soul knows he's the only one that can provide it. And even though we never verbalize that, that's really who and what we're looking for. He can be found in the secret place. I don't know about you, but I have looked in every place. I've looked in everything that I knew except for the place where he was, the secret place. Not a physical place, but a secret spiritual place inside of each one of us. Let me me just clarify something here. God did not say that he does not dwell in temples. God said, I don't dwell in temples made by you. But he said, I dwell in a temple made by me. I have created a temple, and I have chosen to inhabit that temple. So when we're looking in all of these other places, except going to the temple in which God has chosen to dwell, we miss the whole heart of God wanting to establish that intimacy in our life. Look in Acts 17, 24. It says, this God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. And in 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? See, we are accustomed to, to looking for God everywhere, all over the place, especially in religious places and in religious activities, except looking for where he is. Now, here's the thing. He is not confined to that space. He is not confined. This is not the only place that he dwells. Uh, Alessa was singing that song this morning, he's above us, below us, in front of us, behind us. Yes, but you know what? I don't know him behind me. I don't know him in front of me. I don't know him above me. I don't know him below me. I know him in me. He's not exclusive here, but this is where he is to be known intimately by us. That's why he came to live. It doesn't get any more intimate than that, than being inside of us and having his dwelling place in us. He's not confined to there, but it's the place where the loving father lives. And as a father, he lives there to be known by his children. And nature and everything else are breadcrumbs leading to that place. We might know about him out there. We might know about him in the Rockies. We might know about him on the ocean. But we know him, all of that reveals to us there is a God that knows you and provides for you and cares for you. He is your father and he lives inside of you. I go to the secret place because that's where my father lives to be known. It dispels the notion that in order to find God, I have to physically go somewhere other than where I am. Now think about that. It dispels the notion that I have to go somewhere to find God other than where I am. Because wherever I am, there he is because he lives in me. I may not have that awareness. I may not recognize it. I may not honor him. But he's here desiring to be known. 
and I go to the secret place because that's where the Father lives and that's where God lives to be known. Understand something. This is not some second-rate, third-string God that drew the short straw and then had to go live inside of you. God didn't come to live inside of you holding his nose. God didn't come to live inside of you thinking, well, I lost that deal. God chose. He delights in me, and he delights in you. This is the God of creation, the God of wonder, the God of miracles, the God of redemption. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Noah, Elijah, Elisha, David, Solomon. This is that God. Just just hold your brain a minute and try to think about that. The God of the burning bush, the God of the Red Sea parted, the God of the man jumping out of the tomb, out of the grave, the God of Solomon, the God of David, that's the God that lives inside us. He's not a weaker version. He's not a smaller version. He's not just the diluted version. He's not the diet version. He's it. And he chose to live inside of you. This very God, the one and same, has taken up residence in the secret place. Learning the secret place starts with settling the issue Where is God? I have to settle that. I have to just wrap my mind around that. And whether I can rationally understand it, whether I can emotionally understand it, I have to come to the reality, to that conclusion. Where is God for me to be known? And where do I go to meet him? And the answer to that, he is here. He is here. This is not the first time we've heard that, is it? Here's my question. I hope you said that no nicely. Whether we've heard it or not, there's not the issue. The issue is, have I embraced it as reality in my life? Have I chosen to believe that when God said he lives in me, I live my life like he lives in me. And how I pray is a reflection of the reality that he lives in me. Am I still trying to fill this space of where I am and where he is? Am I still trying to, you know, perform to get him to pay attention to me? Am I still trying to dot all the I's and cross all my T's so he'll come down and hear me? Or if I come to the reality, I don't have to do that. He's right here. He's drawing me back. He's longing for me to come there and to have that time with him, to be personal with him. Let me encourage you to do something. Nearly everybody's got an Apple Watch now. Set your Apple Watch with an alarm during the day to give you a beep or a buzz or a kick or a yell or whatever those things do. I've still got one with dials on it. Set that alarm, and when it goes off, stop and say, Father, I thank you for being here. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're right here. I tell you what, let's do that now. Just, Just say it out loud. Father, I thank you that you're right here. Thank you that you're right here. Now, if everybody's distraction, close your eyes. I I have to close my eyes. When I'm up here, my eyes are closed. I'm not sleeping most of the time. I'm, uh, I'm here. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm trying to hear what he's saying. And sometimes the activity is a distraction because he's here. And I know I don't have to perform to get him here. I don't have to beg him to be here. He's here. He's longing for me to be intimate with him. So just, just close your eyes and say, Father, I thank you that you're right here in me. I thank you that you're right here in me. That's the beginning of coming to that reality 
that he lives inside of us. If we learn how to cultivate that relationship with him, the dance, if you will. When we get together as a group, we don't have to call God down. He's here. He's here. What happened last week, and what happened last week was cool. I mean, that was just, uh, you're going to hear some of the things in here I mentioned that, that uh, you pretty much shared everything that I was going to share and, and watched as people responded. That wasn't a picture of God coming down. That was a picture of God coming up, coming up in us. Instead of us controlling him, we let him have control. And he led us and told us what to do. And he spoke to our heart. And he revealed to us how to pray. And that's a picture of him coming up in us, not us doing things to get him to come down. The whole crux of grace covenant and why we do what we do hinges on the premise that every single person as part of the body seeks to know the Father intimately and respond to him. That was the whole crux of it. And I'm telling you, if that doesn't happen, it ain't going to work. It's just going to be something else. It comes up from within us. He is here within us, and he wants to dance. And he wants to dance individually, and he wants to dance corporately. The secret place is where the dance is developed. Now, here's one of the first obstacles that we're going to run into that keeps us from meeting him here. Okay? It's one of the first obstacles. It goes something like this. I tried it, and I didn't feel like he was there. So I quit. I tried it. Yeah, I I did. But I just didn't feel like God was there. So I quit. Let me encourage you with something. When I don't feel his presence, what am I going to tell myself about what I don't feel? Think about that a minute. When I don't feel God's presence, what do I tell myself about what I don't feel? And we all do that. We all have these emotions, and then we tell our things, we draw conclusions about those emotions. And I'm not going to get into the whole thing that the reason we got the emotion is because we're thinking something. But even after we have the thought, the emotion, we draw a conclusion about it. And whenever I have the, 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 the feeling, I don't have the feeling that God is here, I tell myself some things about it. Things like, God's just too busy. Things like, he's just not interested in me. Things like, I'm just not adequate. I'm not one of the few. I'm not worthy. I must have done something wrong. This is just a waste of time, or this just doesn't work for me. So I quit. Is that what I tell myself? What do I tell myself when I don't feel the presence of God as I go to the quiet time? Or do I tell myself what God says? I don't feel like God is here. What am I going to tell myself? God's too busy. God doesn't care. It doesn't work for me. I don't feel like God's here. What am I going to tell myself? Am I going to tell myself that or am I going to tell myself what God says? Things like, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's what God said. God said, doesn't matter how you feel, I will never leave you. My, leave, my being there doesn't depend on how you feel about it. My being there depends on my word and my commitment to you. So when I don't feel like the presence of God is there, am I going to tell myself, God, you said you would never leave me or forsake me? Do I tell myself what God says when he says, I am with you always? Doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, I'm with you always. Even when you don't feel my presence, I am with you. 
I will not leave you without a helper. Remember, Jesus said that about the Holy Spirit. He's not going to leave us comfortless without as an orphan. He's going to, the Holy Spirit has come as our help. I don't feel like anybody's helping me. Hello, I'm here. I'm the helper. Am I going to tell myself that nothing, even my emotions, nothing can separate me from the love of God that's found in Christ? What am I going to tell myself whenever I don't feel what I'm supposed to feel? And then continue with what God said, even if it defies what I feel. You know what? I don't feel your presence. You said you're here. I don't see you. I don't taste you. I don't smell you. I can't touch you. I can't hear you. But you said you were here, and I'm going to stay here. This may be the first step for some of us to learn to live by faith and not by sight or senses. It may be something that simple. It may just be to sit down and be quiet before the Lord, and when our emotions are screaming, he's not here, we may at that point choose to say, you know what, God, you said you were here. I'm going to stay here because you're here, and you're the one I want to know. We so live by our senses. We so live by our emotions. We so live by what we can see, smell, taste, touch, and hear. And it may be the first time that we choose to make a decision based on faith and not by sight. Success in the secret place starts with accepting as reality that God is where he said he is and he is doing what he said he would do. Learning the secret place starts with embracing the reality that God is where he said he'll be and he's doing what he said he would do even when I can't feel it. You know what? There may be no greater expression of faith than to sit quietly in his presence beholding him and believing that he will conform me to his image from glory to glory without my mind understanding it, without my senses experiencing it, and without my emotions lining up with that. That may be the greatest expression of faith. I am surrendered to you. I don't understand it. I don't see it. I don't sense it. But you said you were here, and I want to be where you are. Thank you for being here. That may be the first act of faith that any of us experience by choosing to live by faith and not by sight. Trusting trusting that God is somewhere doing something that we can't understand, see, hear, or feel is not uncommon. We don't see it, but it's not uncommon. You take a seed, okay? Take a seed, apple seed, corn, whatever, and you put it in the ground and you cover it. It's out of sight. You can't feel it. You can't smell it. You can't watch it. You can't observe it. You can't do anything except trust that out of your sight, God's doing something that you don't understand. Happens all the time. That's how we eat. All through that process, there's the expression that I don't see it. I'm going to dig it up and check on it. Yeah, that just delays the growth. You know? Well, I'm going to. Lead it. I'm going to dance around the harvest moon. Whatever we do, you know, try to get it to grow. There's nothing we can do to make it grow. There's nothing we can do to change its course except leave it alone and let God, you say, well, you got to water it. Well, you ever hear dry dirt farming? I mean, if you ever drive out to my place, you see example after example of dry dirt farming. They plant cotton. They never water it. 
They plant corn, they never water it. They plant maize, they never water it. They plant sunflower seeds and never water it. They trust, because they've been obedient, that God is going to work in the ground and bring something out of it. And he does every time. He can be trusted, even though we can't see it, even though we can't feel it, even though we can't speed it up. We trust God is doing something, even though we can't see it. It seems like nothing has happened. It seems like nothing is taking place. I, I had a garden in Oklahoma. Our garden was bigger than our house. <clears throat> I didn't know Sikkim from come here about gardening. A friend, Barbara Beakley's husband, had a rototiller. And at first he had to bring his tractor because the ground was so hard. And he dug up the ground and he brought me a rototiller. And I'd spend hours out there just rototilling that stuff. Well, then it came time to plant. So I go to the feed store. I mean, I get all the things I like. I get corn, I get beans, I get squash, I get all this stuff out here. And I come out here and I put all of them in the ground, you know, and I throw, clean up everything, throw it away. And it dawned on me one day, I had no idea what I planted. I didn't know if this was corn. I didn't know if this was squash. I didn't know what this was. Now, I could have dug it up and checked it, but that would have stalled the growth of whatever was there. And I said, you know what? I bought it. I planted it. It must be good. And so one day, sometimes we don't even know it. The kids would come in and say, Dad, there's a sprout out there. Cool. Let's go look. Now, the worst thing I could do is dig it up and check it out. Make sure it passed my inspection. <clears throat> but I left it alone trusting that God would do what he said he would do, though I couldn't see it, though I couldn't feel it. Same thing is true in the secret place. There are winter time. They're not winter days. There are win, I mean, uh, seasons. There are winter days. There are days that you're going to Three weeks ago, well, it's been five weeks ago now when I first started this. The first week I started this, it was like standing under a waterfall. I mean, God just poured stuff out on me. I mean, my, my times with him was just phenomenal, man. I mean, it just, I couldn't write down fast enough. I couldn't remember all of it. It was just overwhelming. Wonderful. Next week, yeah, I don't know, a little slower. Somebody backed up the waterfall a little bit. Third week, man, I couldn't get nothing. Fourth week, I'm going motorcycle riding. Now, how'd that work out? You have days of winter. You may have a day where you don't hear anything, you don't feel anything, you don't sense anything. But listen, God said, if you behold me, I will transform you from glory to glory into the image of my son. Because I'm here. I'm here. And you know what's interesting? I don't have to be thinking about God all the time for him to be there. He's there whether I think about him or not. He's there doing his thing. We had this accident, you know, and I, I, I'm not going to go into all the detail except uh, the, a dog came out and, and I moved, tried to move him and, and he went behind me and Dean ran over him. And I heard the dog yelp, and I looked up in my rearview mirror, and this huge 900-pound motorcycle is doing flips through the air. And Dean, this 300-pound man, <laughs> he's doing flips through the air. And I'll tell you something. God wasn't my first thought. In fact, I went back. And I either expected him to see unconscious or dead, but he wasn't. He was just hurt real bad. I never thought about God for about an hour. But you know what? I never got anxious. I never panicked. I never lost it. There was a sense of his presence that I knew he was there, even though I didn't have to think about him. He was there because he said he would be there. And he calmed my heart, and he gave me 
insight into what to do, to who to call. Uh, you know, it was it was kind of comical. I mean, this this is a young thing, okay? He's laying there in the middle of the road in severe pain, and the first thing he says was, "Bubba, where's my gun?" So we look around. There's his gun over there. So we get it, and it was, "Where's my phone?" Well, his phone was about 20 yards up the road, and it had an otter box on it, and it was completely destroyed, but the phone was intact. And so he wanted me to call his girlfriend. So I hit the deal, and it says, facial recognition only. Hey, Dean, look here. <laughs> He said, punch the numbers. So we got in it. But there was never, now, when I got him in the helicopter, I wanted to go find a tree and ball. But God's presence was there. It wasn't contingent on how I... <clears throat> felt about it. Wasn't contingent on me thinking about him and thinking all those good things. He was there. And I had to trust that he was there. God can work to change us without using our mind. Second Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter two, verse nine says God has done does things that he I can't see ear can't hear, never has entered into the heart of man. But God works those things, and we have to trust that he works them. Now, Scott mentioned this last week. I showed it to Rebecca because I had it written down. It's going to be really hard to enjoy the secret place where the Father dwells when I already have a secret place. That place, you know, where we keep those things that we don't want everyone else to know about. The anger, the resentment, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the inferiority, those things that we hide. It'll be difficult to dwell in his presence and to be aware of his love when all we are familiar with is the rejection that we have. Those emails, those texts, those phone calls, those addresses, those phone numbers, those web pages, those videos. We don't want anyone else to discover. All those things that produce the guilt and shame that keep us from coming boldly into the throne of grace to enjoy the Father. Nobody sees them. Nobody knows. I'll just set them over here to the side. A godly person will only have one secret place, and that's the Father. Transparency Openness, integrity, honesty are essential to enjoying God's presence. It is here that we meet our Father. It is where the holy dance finds its intimacy. Listen, when we make time to do nothing else but enjoy Him, we then learn to enjoy him in everything we do. We take that time to just enjoy him, nothing else. We will then learn to enjoy him in everything else we do, all of the other things that we do, because we have nothing to hide. It's here in the secret place that the holy comforter is most likely to bring comfort to an injured soul. It's here that the holy teacher will teach us Christ as we sit at his feet and listen to his words. It's here that the living witness will testify to us of who Christ is 
and what he has accomplished. It is here that the wonderful guide will lead us into the reality of who Christ is, what he has accomplished, and how it applies to our daily life, all within the context of a holy dance. Remember, those are the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to do. Comforter, teacher, guide, uh, witness. That's where he does it. That's where he reveals himself. St. Augustine, who was one of the church's founding fathers, made this statement. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know if you did punctuation like I wrote it, but it's in Old English, so it's weird, okay? But you get the point. Here's what he said. I, Lord, went wandering like a strayed sheep, seeking you with anxious reasoning without while you were within me. I wearied myself much in looking for you without while you have your habitation within me. If I long and breathe after you, I went around the streets and places of the city of this world seeking you and found you not because in vain I sought without for him what was within myself. He said, I looked everywhere. Looked everywhere for all those things that I mentioned before. Nothing clicked until he realized that what he was looking for was inside of him. Have you found him there? Have you discovered him to be present? Have you found the fulfillment that he brings in that relationship? That's where he lives, right here. He says, when you pray, go there. Go there. Turn your attention there. And we'll look at more of it later. Close the door. That's one of the struggles we have is closing the door. Because everything you need is in there. Nothing you need is out there. But we close the door on it. So, Father, quicken anew the longing in our heart to know you. Refresh us again. And Father, give us courage to go where we've been and been disappointed in getting there. Encourage us that you are there within us and that we can know you intimately there. Do it in us individually. Do it in us corporately. Give us courage to choose to believe what you said over and against what we don't feel when we attempt those times. And we bless you that you are faithful. As we sang this morning, you've been faithful all of our life. In the winter, we believe you. In the springtime, we see you. Just show yourself in Jesus' name. you have any questions, anything you want to add, anything that triggered, what would you hear, what are you going to take with you besides dinner? <clears throat> Anybody? Tanya? Randy? Would you take this back to Tanya? Uh, something you said today, just the biggest thing to me, and I'm sure you've been saying it for a while now, but I really heard it this morning, is um, this is where he lives to be known. And that is just everything. That I mean, that never ends. That's right. There's, there's always more to know about him. And anyway, that was just That's big right. for me. So thank you for reminding me about that. That's good. He's here to be known.
What do we do with the secret place shed that we have over in the <clears throat> rough looking part of the yard, you know, without vines growing over it? And it's got a for sales, what, put a for sale sign on it or what? Back the trailer up and put it on, take it somewhere to the dump? <laughs> what do we do with that secret place? That second auxiliary secret place, not the real one. The one that's been there for years and years. Okay. All right, let me ask you something. <clears throat> Do you want to fellowship with God more than God wants to fellowship with you? No. He wants to fellowship with me. And if I'll go to him, knowing that thing is out there, and just say, Father, here it is. He will show me how to release it. He will show me how to get rid of it. He'll show me what he wants me to do with it. But the worst thing I can do is start cleaning myself up. Okay? Go to the Father and say, Father, I want to fellowship with you not as much as you want to fellowship with me. So would you show me what's hindering our fellowship and be willing. See, some of us haven't heard God because we don't want to hear what he has to say. Instead of being transparent, saying, Lord, whatever you say, I'll embrace it, even if it means getting rid of the, the secret place that I have built and that I have protected. He'll do it. He will do it if we just give him permission to do it. That sounds weird. Did you give God permission to do something? Right over here. Tim? been faithful we've saying that all morning why is it not good enough to go there why am I not faithful to go there um, you asked what we heard what I heard at the beginning and it stuck with me all day you said it's only a failure if you don't do it <laughs> I've completely failed and I haven't been there I don't like to fail, so why keep failing? And then wonder why there's anxiety and lack of peace. Well, it's because I'm failing. Well, why keep doing that? It's just idiotic, but that's what I heard. That's good. And the cool thing wow. is, he just keeps drawing, just keeps inviting. He just keeps bringing us. We're getting there. Um, you mentioned uh, the word cultivate, so I looked it up. Um, we're to cultivate our activity in the secret place. Um, to cultivate means to prepare and use to raise crops, to foster the growth of, to improve by labor, care, or study, uh, the synonyms of cultivate is advance, encourage, foster, nourish, nurse, nurture, or promote. And I think as we cultivate our secret place with the Lord, all of those, what was the word you used? You used a word, I love words. Um, <laughs> The other secret place. The shed. <laughs> yes, but there was another an adjective he used. Anyway, that just will fade. Yeah. All the other stuff. No, no. It was an A word. Adjutant? Huh? Yes, alternate. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah, those other secret the places other secret will places. just fade. And, you know, we're to deny our flesh. We're not to work on it. And um, I think as we cultivate our life in the secret place, all that other stuff just fades to nothing. See, my, my confidence is not in my ability to be faithful. I told you when I started that I struggle with this too, and there are times that I go in there and I'm just sure God ain't there. My confidence is not in my faithfulness. My confidence is in his faithfulness. 
that he's going to keep drawing me and he's going to keep dealing with me and working with me. And he understands whenever I have blown it and I don't want to go there. He still draws me. He just still draws me. Um, you said that a godly person has only one secret place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can testify to that, that that's absolutely true. Because there comes a time when he's going to ask to go into those other places that we don't let anybody else in. Mm-hmm. We have that choice if we're going to hold on to it still, let it damage us, let it take us in another route that God doesn't want us to go, or we can let him in. Mm-hmm. And there's freedom to be had there. Mm-hmm. Absolute peace, freedom, joy, all the things that he wants to bless us with. But he has to go into those sheds, those alternate dark places that we don't, it's a secret. No one else knows. Mm-hmm. But if we allow him to go, there's freedom to be had there. That's right. Uh, Cindy, Jack, back over to Cindy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, if my yoke isn't easy and my burden isn't light, I don't have the Lord's. I have my own. And it's a burden keeping up two secret places. It's a burden just making sure nobody finds out about this one. It's much easier to just release it. For the longest time, uh, I couldn't get to that secret place because I didn't feel worthy, good enough, forgiven, all those things. But until I came to a realization that I believe there's a God. I haven't seen him, haven't touched him, but I know he's there. I know there's Jesus. I've read about him. To embrace that and to embrace that he's in me and there's nothing that I can do or say to reject that he's in me, period. (laughs) Once I embraced that then I didn't have to have this checklist or or Mm -hmm. it just came, you know, I just had this peace and no anxiety about stuff. Uh, It just helped me deal with stuff better. And I tried going to the closet. That didn't work. Uh, I just had to find that secret place of him in me, no matter where I'm at. That's right. That's right. He didn't say... As long as you do everything right, I'll be with you. As long as you do everything right, I won't forsake you. He said, I'm here. I'm in you. I won't ever leave you. There's nothing you can do to make me leave you. That's good news. You know? That's good news. We just have to embrace that. Paul. This is uh, Romans 3. It says, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands, and there is none who seeks after God. Who's the one that really wants to be in the secret place? It's not us. That's right. It's the Son. The Spirit of the Son desires to be with his Father. And your part is to say, Lord, have your way in me. I need you in me because the spirit of the son, it's he, it's him who craves for his father. And so, Lord, you know, the thing that stuck out to me today was what you shared about uh, your father and the two boats. And uh, when we say, Lord, I want to know you, I want to be near you, he honors that prayer request. Mm -hmm. And he will bring you to the end of yourself. That's where we all need to be. We need to come to the end of ourselves where we say, I don't seek after you, Lord. I am undone, like what Tim shared. That's a beautiful place to be. So now we say, okay, Lord, <laughs> if, if I meet you, I don't get the glory. It's because you're in me. You're driving me to the Lord. So uh, he desires, uh, like a mother hen desires for us to be near him. 
He wants to be close. And he not only wants us to be near him, he wants us to know him. So he, he brings us near him. And then he says, now I want you to know me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you to the end of yourself. And so your part is to cooperate with that and to recognize, okay, I can't. Father, I need you. And let the spirit of the son draw you to mm-hmm. him. That's good. See, our response is to go to the funeral, not commit suicide. It's already dead. Just one more thing I wanted to share was um, there's something that the father wanted me to lay down, and I haven't been able to lay it down. And he changed my mindset. And I've been able to lay it down. And I've always thought of myself as someone that had peace. I had his peace. Because in situations that used to um, consume me or I was scared of or, or whatever, I've had peace in those situations. And I just thought I had the, this peace. And the Lord showed me, he said to me, he said, regret and my peace cannot live together. Mm. And he showed me I was consumed with regret. Mm. And I would lay one regret down and I would take up another one. Mm. <laughs> That's so good. So, folks, let me encourage you, whenever we come together, come with the posture of a meeting of the body of Christ is not a substitute for the secret place. It is an extension of the secret place. See, it's an extension of what's taking place there. So when we come, look here first. Okay, Father, you're here. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to honor you and just be obedient to that?